podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, thanks for listening to the show. Join your hosts, Bill Alpstead and Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, hi, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl, uh, what we saw during the week as far as prospects go, uh, a little bit of the game type stuff, who stood out, who uh, kind of failed to show up, all that stuff as we lead towards uh, looking at prospects for the 2024 NFL Draft taking place in April. It takes a while, so we start now. Uh, all, you know, everyone starts now. The senior bowl is really kind of the first, uh, game to get the, the ball rolling. Uh, at the end of the month, we're going to have the combine. So we're going to be, uh, starting, uh, shows, uh, highlighting position group, uh, uh, position groups and all the players in those groups, uh, leading up to that process and beyond. Uh, so it'll be kind of a, a fun thing for us. It's, it's, it's one of the funnest things that we do on the show actually is kind of gear up for the draft. So. I know that, uh, Keith, we wanted to just touch base on the coaching search, assistant search for the Seahawks. Uh, got a little bit of news as it relates to offensive coordinators. How you doing, Keith? Welcome in, man. Yeah, um, so the news is, it's news, but it's also not news. Um, so the Seahawks requested uh, permission to talk to Mike Kafka about the offensive coordinator job. He's already interviewed twice for the head coaching job and then didn't get it. Um, and the Giants said no. Um, so he he's their current offensive coordinator. If everyone, yeah. if people don't know, <laughs> so it counts as a lateral move. There's no need, you know. There's no um, the Seahawks don't have the ability to pull out a guy that's under contract like that. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that um, Kafka and Dable, their head coach, don't get along. Um, Kafka wants situation. Out. He's he's requested that they release him so he can come to Seattle. Um, And so far, Dable said no. But at the same time, it's still messy because uh, Dable's talked about taking play calling duties away from um, Kafka because he was an offensive coordinator, too, and kind of wants to wrestle that back uh, into his own. Um, <laughs> realm of things that he does and that would leave him um just out there um you know it, in a weird spot for his career and so Kafka's like mm, I don't want to be here because it's going to hurt my career and um I can't it's imagine a, that functional workplace environment <laughs> yeah like how do you how how do you expect all of this to work out and work out well if you've got a coach that's not bought in in any way to what your head so coach is based saying. on that dysfunction so. what do you make of the giants blocking the move as as a as a general manager or, or uh you know director of player personnel or um vp has made this decision you know maybe debole made this decision as well just because he's he's kind of an ass you know and so he's they block him um, now that happens in the NFL, uh, but so it's not completely unusual at all. He's under contract, but 
with the dysfunction and what happened last year, and he, they have allowed him to interview for head coaching positions, uh, but they blocked this specifically. What does that tell you about the situation there in New York? If I was a coach, I would not go. I would not uh, join that coaching staff because something is seriously wrong uh, yeah. there. Yeah, and I know it's with toxic. Kafka, like Kafka was um, Patrick Mahomes's quarterback coach, and Mahomes loves him, swears by him, says he's um, one of the best coaches he's ever talked to, ever worked with, ever done anything, and you know that's why he is a guy that's um, coveted. Um, by teams that's why he got all the uh head coach like interviews and okay like i'm i'm all on board with that but uh, why like if if there's that much dysfunction now i know one of the things is that um dable said that he was expecting you know both of his coordinators to be back next year and all of that and then instantly <clears throat> the defensive coordinator there resigned I was like, no, I'm out. Um, and so it might, this blocking Kafka might be um, trying to have at least some continuity across the, the coaching staff and not have just everybody bail um, and have a completely new coaching staff um, underneath Dable. But honestly, like if a guy wants out, how, how are you going to keep him and expect him to do a good job? Like, I, I don't know. I, it's a, it's bad. News. Is he would he be Especially the best candidate that the Seahawks would be looking at? Obviously, we're looking at the past game coordinator from Detroit. We're looking at the ex offensive coordinator, the current offensive coordinator for the uh, uh, Alabama, um, and uh, previously the Huskies. Um, who's who's the best guy for the job? Eric Bieniemy, who just got let go from Washington, got told that he won't be. Uh, that Quinn's going to replace him. As soon as I read that yesterday, I was like, come on, Seattle, go do it. Get it done. This is a guy who wants to be a head coach and therefore wants responsibility. He wants play calling um, duties. He wants all of those things. It's the only reason why he left Andy Reid. Um, and he's really freaking good. And so, um, yeah, go get him. And... um give him the authority to run his offense his way. And then, okay, when he gets to become a head coach in a year or two, figure out uh, how to replace him then. But um, you want to win now? He's the guy. Well, I mean, he's always interviewed for head coaching uh, jobs, but it's never had an opportunity. So, I mean, the first like six years in a row. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't okay. actually get any this year. Not that I remembered reading about um but that's also True. because he was on ron <laughs> rivera's staff and rivera just got fired but um i mean they made sam howell look like i mean he broke a bunch of records and stuff despite being mildly talented um as a quarterback and there's a lot to like there um clearly a, an offensive mind that that gets the job done so i'd like to see I'd like to see that them go there. They probably won't, because um, they're probably. Gonna look it's interesting because you know we're we're, we're we're building a young staff. The enemy's not quote unquote young anymore. He's what forty mid forties or close to fifty. 
And, um, yeah, so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which direction they want to, want to go. I mean, I would love the experience, you know, Kafka and, and, um, the enemy would be, would fit that bill. The other two guys are so raw. I didn't even hear about them until a couple weeks ago. I mean, I knew the Washington guy, well, but it's because they're, they're not really guys that are up for, I mean, right. Uh, I know that, but they just have, the guy from they're Detroit, so green. Name I'm, I'm blanking on, um, isn't any different than when the Seahawks went and hired Shane Waldron, right? Passing yeah. game coordinator of a, um, of a really good offense. And you get them, that person to come in and bring that scheme with them. It's, it's Tanner Engstrad, by the way. There you go. God, why can I not? I and then Ryan Grubb is the, uh, the former yep, University the of Washington. Washington OC. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, interesting. So that we, you know, we've got a few names to discuss. Kafka is just going to be out. You, I just, you know, unless something dramatic there happens, that's just a non-starter. So it wouldn't surprise me if the enemy comes back into the or comes into the conversation now as a guy that. Um, that potentially possible mm-hmm. depending on how that works with McDonald. I mean, McDonald's got to be on board. <laughs> He's the guy that's, yeah. that's kind of driving this. So, um, okay. So let's talk about the senior bowl, um, which is why we're here. Um, the game is somewhat insignificant, but yet also it, you know, it's, it's meaningful as well. Um, in the game itself, Spencer Rattler was the, the top performer MVP of the game, but he only completed four or four, uh, passes for 65 yards and a touchdown <laughs> that shows, tells you kind of everything you need to know about the game. Um, Bo Nix played, uh, okay. Had a nice drive, touchdown pass. Uh, Hartman was awful. Penix didn't play. Milton was awful. Pratt was awful. Bradley was awful. So the quarterback play. Uh, in yeah, general, in this game, was just not good, which is surprising to me, really. Yeah. So I want to ask you about Bo Nix because um, I read during the week, um, and I know that being uh, where I am, close to Portland, um, that it's not always the most honest uh, reporting when it comes to Oregon players. Um, the same way it's not always if you're in Seattle and it's it's Huskies, um, and so. I read a bunch of stuff all week about how he was, um, that he looked sharp and showed his mobility and showed his live arm and, and all this kind of stuff. And then when it got to the end of the week and I'm reading this morning, uh, trying to prep for the show and I keep reading like, wow, he had a bad week. Whoa, he had a bad week. I'm like, okay, that's not what I read during the week at all. So, um, what was your take? Yeah. On kind of how he, well, he started inconsistent. Him? So the first couple of days he was real inconsistent. Uh, very few, you know, uh, passes completed when there were just really no defense. Um, just one defender against, you know, one-on-one drills, just overshooting, uh, receivers and, and under throwing and wide and just all over the place settled in as the week went on, uh, became one of the better quarterbacks by Friday. And then during the game, he was fine. He, he, he was probably his best performance overall during the week uh, and um, led that touchdown drive and, and a two-yard touchdown in the game. Um, I saw Bo Nix, you know, I'm going to take this back to just personal experience. I saw Bo Nix here in, in Phoenix when they played Arizona State this year, and he was the best player on the field. And, and Oregon has some 
great players, but Bo Nix mm -hmm. looked the part, like looked really good in that game. Now, of course, Arizona State's not going to give you much <laughs> in the way of resistance, but um, he was he would just looked really nice and and very well put together, um, composed, led the team. N nothing that Arizona State could do could could slow him down at all. He just looked like he could do almost anything. It reminded me of the the time that I saw um, Kansas City come in here against the Cardinals um year year before that and um and Mahomes was the MVP and and um won the Super Bowl I think that year right and uh he he looked this exactly the same so I I'm kind of on the Bo Nix train for me personally I think he's going to be end up in the draft being a top 20 pick um he's going to be the fourth quarterback off the board for me uh, and there's a reason for that as far as Penix uh, is concerned. And, and for me, it's just the ACL type stuff that Penix has and an older prospect. If you're going to go with an older prospect like Bo Nix, he doesn't have the medicals. And I think that they're fairly even when you really break them down. I think Bo Nix could have easily led Washington with Washington's roster to the national championship game as well. I mean, it's that close for me. Um, so I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. So this week really for me just kind of solidified him in that first round conversation. It really didn't diminish him. There were a lot of quarterbacks here and Penix didn't really do anything either. I think he had a great week of practice and he didn't elect to play in the game. Um, I think he was just kind of preserving, um, his practice week and didn't want to take chances with injuries during the game. I think Bo Nix needed to show up and, and really kind of solidify that, you know, he had a marginal week, but the game really kind of um, took care of that. And then the other quarterbacks, I was really interested in, like, looking at Milton, very athletic uh, quarterback that can move around in the pocket, Michael Pratt, and these guys are kind of fringy, uh, back into the second round to the fourth round kind of guys, um, and they were awful. They They had okay weeks sporadic and inconsistent but the in the game itself they were bad that's why the game matters i mean that it, it doesn't really matter in the large scheme of things but it mattered for these guys because they really wanted to show up and, and impress and and kind of maybe raise their draft stock they did not yeah i know that with um uh spencer rattler i mean he's a guy that i was interested in watching simply because of his arm talent i mean there was a reason why he was yeah a couple of years ago he was a preseason um, like Heisman watch kind of guy. And by the end of the season, he'd lost his job. Um, he'd been benched. And I was like, okay, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of arm talent. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy. I know he had to transfer and, and uh, to South Carolina and do that kind of stuff. But um, it felt a little Jalen Hurts-ish in where like Hurts lost his job to Tua, um, Tungabailoa in college, but has still been a really, really nice pro. Um, and so I was interested in seeing him and, and having him come out and, um, you, you know, do well in the game was nice to see, but what I saw during the practices was a lot of, um, inconsistency, a lot of accuracy issues where he just wasn't sharp as far as getting the ball, um, on guys, like you'd want, like just right in the hands, like making, they were just having to reach a little, um, too much 
catch balls behind them, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But man, that guy's got an arm. Yeah. I think if there was a quarterback that won the week, it was probably Penix. Um, consistent throughout the week, uh, except for the first day. The first day was rough for for everyone. Uh, but they were just getting used to guys' um, speed and and uh, and whatnot. Um, but he kind of settled in and had the best week and then didn't play in the game. Uh, but, yeah, Spencer Rattler, I don't know that he necessarily did anything to uh, squash uh, the interest in him. Uh, in fact, I think it kind of raised it a little bit, especially with the performance in the game itself. I think everyone's going to be looking at him in, in the combine and comparing guys' um, motions and, and, and interviews will be critical for, for him. I think he's still kind of a fringy second-round guy. Uh, but a team's going to take a chance on that athleticism and his improved play over his college career and, and take a shot. A um, couple other guys that played well in the game. Uh, Oregon safety, Evan Williams, had a great uh, interception in the end zone, showed some nice athleticism. Washington State's um, Chow Smith-Wade had a diving inter- interception and then returned it 83 yards to the one-yard line um, and, and juked a bunch of guys to, you know, like miss six, for six missed tackles to, to get, uh, to that spot. Um, Tyreek or Tyke, is it Tyke? Yeah. Tyke Smith safety out of Georgia had some really nice plays, three pass breakups. Um, and he looked every bit of, of the part of, of a kind of a hybrid safety that you would love, love to have on your team. I think he's going to kind of be a, a name to watch actually for Seattle because he's not going to be a, a you know first guy, uh, round guy, but could be in the second round. I know Seattle doesn't have a second round pick, um, but they can manufacture something in there to kind of move around uh, if they were targeting a certain player. I know that uh, Mike McDonald uh, really loves safety play. Uh, it's important to him to have good safeties and, and young, cheap talent, fast, explosive, uh, violent tacklers, physical guys like Tyke Smith um, would, would be a good option. Florida State's defensive tackle, uh, Braden uh, Fisk, had a good mm-hmm. week, uh, made some nice plays, uh, has great effort, explosiveness, quickness, uh, moving up and down the defensive line. Um, and then Cedric Gray and Nathaniel Watson had seven tackles apiece in this game. And that was kind of it. I mean, as far as people that stood out, there was players – that stood out more during the week, and that's the most important stuff. I think Quinnen Mitchell, the cornerback out of Toledo, probably had the best week out of any player at the Senior Bowl. Um, he's a smaller guy. I think if I remember correctly, Keith, he's going to be like 5'10", 185 uh, range as a corner. So he's going to be more of a nickel guy. Um, but but he played outside in this, you know, a lot this week covering um, wide receivers and the wide receiver group in this, uh, at the senior bowl was pretty decent and he did a pretty decent job, um, playing on the outside and taking leverage away and, and uh, good in coverage play on the ball, that, that sort of a kind of a player. So somebody to watch. Well, and another guy, um, if you're looking for a cornerback, which I don't think Seattle is, but Hey, well, you know, that I didn't think they were last year either. Um, Jarvis Brownlee, uh, yeah, cornerback out of Louisville, had a really nice game. Um, in fact, one of the things that that 
was interesting is like usually in one-on-one drills with the cornerbacks and the wide receivers, the wide receivers dominate because there's just too much field and no pass rush. Um, and, but, uh, Brownlee was able to just match up with anybody and, um, in, in a, in a, in drills that, that are supposed to be unfair to the, um, to the corners. Um, he just looked really dominant and, yeah. Uh, that's kind of unexpected, but, um, yeah, I, it's, there were some, I, I mean, Cam, Cam Hart good, had, go ahead. I'm going to say there were, there were some really good performances this week. Yeah. I think Cam Hart's another cornerback that looked good this week uh, from Notre Dame, sticky in coverage, uh, a little po- more polished than some of the other corners that were there. Um, you know, potentially like a third round kind of a guy. Uh, he, he showed well. Uh, during the week, I think other guys that stood out, um, Jackson Powers Johnson, the the center mm-hmm. from Oregon. This is a guy that made me fall in love. It, there's always a lineman at the Senior Bowl that that somehow explodes. And now I knew Jackson Powers Johnson prior to the Senior Bowl. I knew he was going to be a, kind of a first round guy, but the Senior Senior Bowl, you separate yourself from all the other guys. If you are just you just show up and you just have the ability to win one on ones and yeah, all those sorts of drills that that happen at the Senior Bowl, and he did. You know, the ability to latch on and quick, uh, quick feet, the aggressor, strong base, uh, finishing blocks. As far as being a having a mean streak, quote unquote, uh, he's the guy now. And and he's a bigger guy too. He's like six three, six four, uh, three hundred and twenty five pounds, I think, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I don't know the kind of offense uh, that is incoming now for the Seahawks because we just haven't uh, uh, signed up a offensive coordinator. But the kind of team that I think McDonald wants is a physical team, a, a team where you exert your will, uh, dictate terms against defenses and so forth. Not unlike what Seattle uh, used to be with like Marshawn Lynch. Um, I think that's the kind of, offense i think the, the the vision that they want to have um and he would be perfect to anchor that offensive line i i Are you just spending i would not your be only a, pick offended. in the top 75 um, i would not be offended keith if they center. went offensive lineman um or a player in the trenches now offense or defense um i would not i i would have a smile on my face if they walked out of the draft in in day one with Jackson Powers Johnson as our offensive center for the next decade. Um, to me, that yeah. would be a success. I um, I mean, I'd like to have him on the roster. I think as far as draft strategy goes, that would be really hard to stomach. Um, it's hard. It's hard. It would be hard. But, but what are you going to um, do? That's where he's going to go. He's going to go in the top 20. But I'll tell you, within this, within this um, you know, the senior bowl group, uh, it wasn't just him. The yeah, the tackle uh, the, from Oregon State. Look, all of the offensive linemen. Okay, normally you look at practices and you look at one on ones, and the defense always dominates. They just do. And if you have a offensive lineman that holds up most of the time in those drills, you're like, okay, that guy is kind of probably going to be a high end mm-hmm. pick. Um, this year it just felt like the offensive linemen did their like did their thing like all of them there's a lot of uh good performances this is a really nice group of um 
of guys like um yes yeah, so you mentioned oregon state's talise uh faluga um oklahoma's yeah. tyler guyton um christian jones yes. from texas there was just a bunch yes. of guys that just showed and then, up and then there were some guys that didn't even participate like troy fatten uh fat from uh university of washington uh yeah. cooper bb from kansas state and the kid from georgia uh van pran uh, cedric van mm-hmm. pran uh offensive center those guys didn't even you know kind of show up um and they're all you know top end talent guys as well so i agree this that, you know not just in the senior bowl just overall prospects in the nfl draft this is going to be a fun year for you my friend because well, and this, we're talking that's why about draft strategy wise when you're when you're saying oh we you know go get powers johnson at 16 i'm like i don't think you <laughs> yeah, do that because right. you're going to get a guy that would normally be a second round talent in the third because there's just so many good offensive linemen um so i think you when you have those two picks that are right next to each other um in the middle of the third round you wait and you take them there the only reason that, that i would argue in favor of my my guy would be he's so embodies everything that you want about your offense and about your team that you know that having this guy on your roster is truly he's separated himself from the other centers so much so that that would make sense for you he's going to do that for some team now it's a luxury to be able to draft a center that high i get it keith i do so um I don't know if Seattle has that luxury but I wouldn't be offended if they um invest early in the draft in the trenches. I think that they in fact that they should. Now they could go quarterback something like that. That would be kind of that would be crazy and everyone would be you know happy about that. But really what this team needs is an identity um in, in the middle of of both the defense and the offense. And we don't have that right now. A defensive tackle or an offensive center. Now, the guy, the, the kid from uh, uh, Michigan, Oluwatime, that guy could be the guy. I don't know. Maybe they do. They have, Obviously, they're going to have some evaluation of their current roster uh, before, <laughs> before the draft, and maybe he's the guy. Um, but when you're talking about running potentially a power scheme and you talked about this a little bit last show um is Olowatimi that guy I don't know maybe he after spending a full off season in the weight room maybe he becomes that guy uh but we have some serious defensive lines in this just in our division where we saw Evan Brown get dominated again this year and and the year before that it was another center I can't even remember his name and then the year before that, it was somebody else. And we've just not had any centers yeah. that are able to dictate terms to defenses. And and I think that we need to probably go in a different direction. And and Jackson Powers Johnson, for me, is the uh, embodies that idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand um, where you're coming with as far as that. I, um, It's just... And this is coming from the offensive line guy that thinks that you've got to have an offensive line. Um, it's just a, it's a draft. If they had their second round pick like normal, um, well, let me ask you this. Maybe maybe this would be easier to, to answer. So we've currently got uh, we've got our situation solved with Cross at left tackle. We currently don't have a, a left guard, starting left guard, 
on the roster. Our current mm-hmm. left guard is an unrestricted free agent. Our center is an unrestricted free agent, Evan Brown. He's gone he back at Oluwatimi. He's, he's not actually is there, center. but his, we don't know. We didn't see enough, maybe, uh, of whether he could handle you know, starting in the NFL for 17 games. I think he could, but let's see. And then um, we're, we're talking about um, at right guard, Bradford is going to be the guy um, at, at right guard. So we know that he's more of a power guy anyway. Um, and then at, at right tackle, we've got Abe Lucas. So really the only, the, the, the two interior guys are, are the unknowns on this line currently. And, um, so we have to solve Lewis. Now I, I think they probably try to bring him back. Uh, that leaves the center position. So if you don't need a tackle in this draft and it's really heavy tackle draft, um, where do you, where do you go with that 116 overall pick? If you're, if you're really kind of trying to invest in the trenches. D- defense. I, I go, I the the Seahawks, the Seahawks need a defense. Need need a defense. They 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 need upgrades everywhere, um, uh, at all levels, um, at all positions except for maybe corner. Um, I go defense. I take the best defensive player available, especially if they're defensive line at one sixteen. And I go wait and get a, get a um a guard that looks like they could dominate um in our scheme, um in the third round. That, that that's where I would do it. And I, I think you can, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're at one sixteen and you want to move down to like one twenty one and pick up an early third or, or late second, something like that um, in the process. And then you can take offensive line because then you've got an extra pick, right? Then you've added another. Um, Lottery you know, pick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so you, you, or you add in another top pick so that way you can go get your, your defensive guy then. Um, but I, I still think that this. You look at this team, and they need defense a lot more than they need anything on offense. Now they do absolutely need um, to fix the line, and a lot of that will be have to do with um, getting Abe Lucas's knee healthy, um, and then figuring out what they want to do at, at center and guard, like you said. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really like. I still think the defense is a bigger problem and I would fix that. And there's some nice players, some, some players that I would really love to have on this team um, uh, in this draft that will be available what did, there. What did you think of uh, this week? We saw Trevante sweat, I believe mm-hmm. the, the kid from Texas. Now he's, he's uh, teammates with Byron Murphy, uh, yep. the, the other uh, standout um, defensive tackle from Texas. Um, they were, <laughs> he's, they're quite different players. Byron Murphy is more of a guy that can move around a little bit. He's a little bit more athletic. He's going to get some penetration. Sweat's going to take up double teams. He's going to be your anchor at nose tackle, uh, depending on the the scheme. I I do know that McDonald's had some big players on their roster in Baltimore, um, and we don't have any other than Brian Monet, and he's going to get cut, and he's probably – he isn't the type of player, I think, that we're talking about. Even though he's 350 pounds, he's not. He's not a real stout run defender anchor guy that can take double teams regularly. Yeah. Um, but the sweat in this game or in this week, I thought was 
somewhat inconsistent. And I was a little worried. So there was a little worrisome signs this week with him. He, this is the big, big 345 yeah. pound defensive tackle from Texas. Actually, I'm talking about he, he, or 60, 360. He, he, he did not officially weigh in. Okay. Because he did not um, want a number attached to him yet. And he's going to wait for the combine to that. Um, but, what I read was that people were looking at he might have been at the, in the 360 to 365 range, um, that his weight and size is going to be a problem with him, that he's going to fluctuate, um, and you're going to have to stay on him and keep him fully engaged in, in the, the conditioning program and that kind of stuff. Um, and those thing, the, that statement right there um, is going to cause him to plummet yes. in the draft. And this and, thought that and he was going to be a late one, now he may be two or a three. Um, and honestly, if he drops and he like ends up where that that's the concern and he's dropping and dropping, I'd take him w- when Seattle's uh, third round picks come around because um, go look at his tape. He may be that big, but he isn't a lumbering, like uh, just mountain yeah. that can't move. He moves pretty the, the, damn well for a guy that size. The overarching thing, regardless of his size, was um, his inconsistent play at the Senior Bowl during practice week. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes he'd be on, sometimes he'd be off. Sometimes he'd allow uh, offensive linemen to to, um, to to work him over, and other times he was dominant with a bull rush kind of a thing and just plowed over people. He, and so that's going to be the thing. I think that that drops him more than anything else is just yeah. that inconsistency and and maturity, um, essentially, is what that is. Um, I was I was disappointed. Um, I was kind of hoping to have him come in and just really show that, despite being, you know, three fifty five, that he can he can um, you know move and dominate. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, I'm uh, if this causes him to drop and he drops into the third round. Instead of having to take him at the back of the first, you can now get him in the third. Uh, okay, then I'm glad he did poorly in the, <laughs> the senior bowl because right. I think he's still going to be a good player, and I would love to see him uh, right in the middle of Seattle's defense. So one of the the groups I want to talk about, and, and maybe Seattle isn't so much in this game, but maybe they are. It just really depends. Is wide receiver group? I thought Roman Wilson did really well. Uh, Ricky uh, Persall. Uh, was was lightning quick and did well for himself there. A um, couple of the other guys, um, like uh, Jaquan Jackson, did well. Um, I mentioned Roman Wilson. Um, those all those guys, you know, had had a great week. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other names, and I just just missing a couple of guys. Sorry. Oh, Lad Mc, um, what is it? Uh, McConkey, McConkey, um, had a great week, um, as well. So just some names to watch. I just don't know where Seattle's at, um, with that. I know that, you know, the Tyler Lockett situation, there's been some, you know, crazy ideas of him retiring and so forth at the, at the top of his game. And I'm just not sure that that happens. Uh, it, it could obviously happen to any player at any time, but, uh, I think he's back, but his number's pretty darn huge this year. And so they need to kind yeah, of I mean, figure honestly, that out. Honestly, having already drafted JSN, um, I could see them doing it. I'd hate it. Um, personally, I love Tyler Lockett. 
Um, but from a football standpoint, really a financial football standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, it makes a lot of sense for them to uh, find Explore trade a, a team that needs a wide receiver and trade him, especially if you can get like a second round pick back, um, which they need, um, and a whole pile of money, um, that cap room to, to spend because his number is huge. But God, I'm, I'd hate that. Um, and that's not a, a guy you can just replace. I mean, I do. Yeah, I understand they've got, but you know, JSN and and uh, Medcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's what made the 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 group strong was having three mm-hmm. guys there. You trade away one of the best guys, if not the most consistent player in the last six years for the Seahawks, um, and all of a sudden your team, your your wide receiver room is no longer a strength on this roster at all. I don't know if you would do that to yourself now. It, it for me it would make more sense if they tried to figure out a way to extend and reduce um his cap number for 2024 yeah. but oh yeah you I, never I would agree you with that know. like i i'm just saying that i um ideally for from my point of view i would say yeah extend give him you know another year or two get his cap number down from the 24 that it is down to you know 16 or whatever for this year and and, and be happy about it um, I'm new coaching staff, new offense. They may look at this and yeah. go, let's go younger. Let's go faster. You never know. Um, and, and make that change. Um, <clears throat> or maybe they want to go bigger. Um, like South Carolina's Xavier Leggett, um, yeah. in, uh, who is in this game and is just a big guy at six, three, but surprisingly fluid in his routes. And, um, you know, is the kind of guy that can, can come in and, and make an impact right away and um yeah, or or ricky per, parasol because yeah. you know parasol's like six one uh but he's lightning quick uh, he's, yeah he's got the ability to separate and all that stuff and he's physical and he's you know he's good with jump balls and all that stuff really impressed this week i i really liked him um just getting started on the evaluation process so i haven't gone through the complete list of wide receivers there that are going to be at the combine and, and in the draft but Boy, he kind of opened my eyes, my eyes up. Um, Roman Wilson, now, if you're looking for a Tyler Lockett duplicate as far as size, 5'10", 186 pounds. But Roman Wilson really stole the show this week as far as being consistent, effortless, mm-hmm. gliding kind of trains, uh, change direction, uh, route runner uh, at, the, at the combine, just ready-made, plug-and-play uh, wide receiver. Um, but you're going to have to spend a first-round pick to get a guy like Roman Wilson. And I don't think Seattle would is going to do that. Um, Not two years in a row. I don't think so. I mean, they could chalk. You never know. But John Schneider's still in charge of the draft. So we still have the same guy that's driving the train here as far as the draft stuff is concerned. Um, he's going to obviously get McDonald, the, player, the kind of players that he wants. Um, and... This year is going to be so, there's so many unknowns. It's it's going to be wild. It's almost like we're going to need to prepare not only ourselves, but prepare everyone else for a full range of players um, based on who we pick for the offensive coordinator. And then it's just going to be like, this is going to be a learning experience for, for us and for everyone as far as what direction now does Schneider go with McDonald as the head coach? and the type of players that they like to have and will draft and consider this year, maybe they didn't consider in the past, or Pete Carroll got his way on certain picks. We just don't know exactly which ones those might be. This year we'll kind of tell, I think, a little bit about um, his impact on 
selections uh, that they had in the past. So I almost anything can happen. I yeah. think. Um, I, I agreed. I one I I expect them to draft a lot of defense because the team needs it, and because McDonald's a defensive coach and he's going to want to revamp this defense quickly. And I'm going to expect him to to draft very athletic, versatile players because that's what yes um, yes that's McDonald the color had uh, in in Baltimore and what his system kind of uh, requires. So other than that, you're right. We don't know, <laughs> especially on offense. Like we don't even know what scheme they're going to run. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I do like you'd mentioned, um, and, and we'll get out of here we could be talking forever. <laughs> yeah. I think Tyler Guyton, uh, the guy from Oklahoma, the, the offensive tackle, um, everything you want out of an offensive tackle, as far as ease of movement, uh, feet, size, strength. Um, one of the best players at the senior bowl, um, in the past, at least from John Schneider, they are attracted to players that have played at the senior bowl. Um, depending on what we have going on at offensive tackle, a guy like that could be in play or not at all. Um, depending on what Abe Lucas is, is doing as far as recovering from his knee and how the current staff evaluates that. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, I think that's going to be good for now. You mentioned Christian Hayes uh, having a great week at offensive guard. He's the type of guard that you would want. Um, you know, on a nice power scheme. Um, yeah. Anybody else, Keith, that you want to mention? No, I think that's good. I think we've been through a lot of names and most people listening are like, this is too much. Uh, <laughs> you can only talk about so many guys. And I think we've mentioned probably 40, um, yeah. in 41 minutes on this show. So, um, I'll mention one more Darius Robinson, best okay. defensive lineman, I think in the, in, in at the yeah. senior bowl. Um, to interesting to me, the guys, position groups that did not stand out um this week were running back and linebacker um just really didn't have any notes on either um and maybe that's a good thing for schneider that he doesn't draft another running back early three uh, for the third straight year um and but he needs linebackers he needs off the ball linebackers so it's going to be um it's going to be interesting to see what they did there. Yeah, agreed. I don't, you know, the, the, the linebacker group by all accounts is not a very strong group, but it's a deep group, um, deeper than some now. And overall the draft is not supposed to be very deep. So after the fifth round or so, this thing gets pretty weak in all position groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but linebackers are supposed to be pretty decent, uh, around three through six or so. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Okay, well, let's get out of here then. Um, I'm not sure what the next show is scheduled. Uh, I don't have my uh, schedule in front of me, but I think we were probably just talking about Seahawks news, catching everybody up. Um, hopefully, hopefully, by maybe in the next a, show, we are discussing offensive schemes because we know yes. who's on the offensive coaching staff. I agree. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, shows that will be coming up, though, is we're going to start uh, position group analysis. And I think we're starting at, at quarterback, if I remember correctly. Um, yep. and that could come into play this year. So that'll be interesting. So let's get out of here. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk on Twitter. 
You can find the show at Hawks Playbook on Twitter, Seahawks Playbook Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms and our YouTube channel. And uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button and don't miss the show. Um, we're on two to three times a week, probably more like two in the off season, but we'll see, uh, schedule permitting. And, uh, that's it. So until next time, go Hawks, go Hawks. Seahawks playbook podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL and the show is at Hawks playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.